Okay, five, four, three, two, one. We're live. Mel Wells, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. So, kind of, you can have the floor for the next few minutes because there's no point in me making a big long introduction because I probably won't get it right. So, tell us who you are, where you're from, what are you all about? Sure, I'm uh, I'm an author, I'm a self-help author. Um, I'm a health coach, eating psychology coach, currently training as a sex love relationships coach as well. Yes, we um, talk about that. Speaker, <laughs> I run many retreats around the world and I'm from, I'm originally from Coventry, currently living in London, but really more identify as a world traveller. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No postcode. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Tend to not have a postcode. I tend to be a bit of everywhere. So are you leaving London? So, yes. Yeah. yeah. Where, where are you after? Uh, we're moving to South America. Yeah. Yeah. Where about? <laughs> Costa Rica. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not. I've not really shared that publicly yet, but there you go. Yeah, you're moving down to Costa Rica. Yeah. Jesus, it's a supposed to be a beautiful part of the world. You're going a long way from it's, home. Yeah. You've been it's before, beautiful. right? I have been before. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of feel. I feel more at home in nature though than I do in the city. Yeah. So I've, even though I live in London at the moment and I have technically been here for two years, I'm always, you know, I mean, it's the great thing about like building a business where you do have the freedom to travel is it means you don't need to be in the city all the time yeah. to network. You can be on the other side of the world and still do plenty of networking. Oh, for, you know? oh, for, exactly. So. Yeah. And when you were in, you were in Hollyoaks, right? You were an actor when you, yes. were, when you were younger, yeah. days when you were 18, 19. I presume you're living in no wait Hollyoaks is probably filming up the country is it it's in Liverpool yeah. yeah so that was the first my first career was yeah as an actress I was on Hollyoaks for two years um, so I want to stop you there a second I yeah. was researching you, you, you'd be an interesting conversation I would have this about the word actress I don't think exists anymore does it was the word actress. Yeah, I think it's. Is it act, not? I think it's like actor. actor. Yeah. Okay, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, I, I just, I was, I was looking up that a few months ago, and uh, yeah, I think it's been implemented for a while, but I don't know. Right. Have a Did not know. There you go. Learn something new every day. Yeah. So I was in that world um, quite a young age, and it was a real gift um, because I really got that moment that I think a lot of people have at some point in their life where they go oh like I thought this was gonna feel like xyz and I've got all this money and like people are recognizing me and I'm on tv and oh why why am I still miserable like why is this not making me happy why do I still feel depressed like I thought this was supposed to be the answer to everything and I think everyone has that that moment at some point whether they hit a certain milestone financially whether they get a certain amount of um, recognition or followers or some kind of you know what society deems successful right and they go oh this is how it doesn't feel how I thought it would feel and so I had that at a really young age actually and you know it was a very glamorous lifestyle was definitely you know invited to a lot of parties with you know very famous people and yachts and all this kind of champagne yes. lifestyle yeah. and it's it's very I've got to say it's very empty I don't know a single person in that world that finds deep deep sense of fulfillment from it I think um, most people are looking for a deeper meaning so um grateful that I had that realization quite early in life Um, and the whole time that I was in that show and and before the show as well uh, I was really struggling with anorexia and bulimia Um, so my weight was like really up and down Um, I was binging a lot I was purging a lot I was in a really dark place and um, 
there wasn't really the help that I needed. No one was really speaking about uh, mental health online at that point. This was like 10 years ago. It was very much like no one was really speaking about eating disorders. Everyone was just speaking about um, nutrition and food and health. And it was just starting to become yeah, popular. Like 10 years ago, people thought if you said mental health or um, eating disorders or anything like that, they were just like, you're just seeking attention. It was kind of yeah. it was that kind of attitude like 10 years ago. It only took for a few, it only took for a few uh, fatal cases to be, to become more popular and people mm. actually taking attention. But yeah, and, and no one could actually get treatment unless they were mm. so underweight that they needed to be hospitalised. You mm. know, there was no form of, like it didn't, at least there wasn't commonly spoken about uh, treatment in terms of like psychology and coaching and, you know, help for many, many, many people that struggle, which is largely mm. women. And do you think you struggled because of your pressure on screen? No, it's not. I mean, that definitely exacerbated it. But I think uh, eating disorders tend to start, they tend to get uh, triggered before that kind of thing would happen. So um, for me, I always had identified as a perfectionist. Different things happened in my life where I was trying to gain control over them, you know, um, different things with my parents and childhood. And then it ends up, you know, years pass by and then suddenly you are using food as a coping mechanism yeah and so you know it doesn't you can't really track like exactly how it was formed but definitely like in that industry in the acting world in the modeling world it's very much um it's all about how how you look it's all very competitive and at the time it was yeah a really unhealthy place for me to be in already with an eating disorder and many of the other people on the show were also struggling in similar ways like give me an example and we put perspective on it for listeners like exactly what was your eating disorder just like maybe a day that you went on a binge or something like that like does that, yeah. does that include just eating junk food all day long or eating the same type of food all day long or eating yeah. good food all day long I don't know just if we can get like a real life case yeah study. sure so mine mine was pretty extreme so like I would um, like for as an example if I had an event coming up one like on a weekend and it was a Monday I would not eat from Monday to Friday let's say the event is on Friday night I would completely starve myself from Monday to Friday sometimes I wouldn't even drink water oh, and then Friday night I would like have starved myself to fit into some dress or something ridiculous and then I would go out get completely hammered um, order like three pizzas tons of takeout shit food and then that would be me just like binging and, and just, just eating like like 5,000 calories in one sitting sometimes I would eat so much that I would like pass out from the pain um, and then I would start again on Monday, try and, you know, reverse all the damage um, or I would be throwing up all night or at the gym, just like working, like just on the treadmill for hours. Just it was just hellish. It, I mean, it really does when you're in that and it, it really is an addiction. I mean, you're treating food like it's a drug. You know, but the thing is with um, eating disorders, unlike other addictions, is you can't just get sober because food is what we need to survive and sustain us and nourish us. So we have to create a healthy relationship with food. We can't just, you know, quit. 
<laughs> you know. Exactly. And you don't you don't believe in diets from your books. You not anymore. So no. you said that. No, because I tried every diet. Yeah. And um, what I really came to realize is diets don't actually address our psychological uh, relationship with food. They don't address like who we are as an eater. They don't address our, um, you know, our conditioning around food, what we learned growing up, our belief system around food. It's all about just what is on your plate. So diets teach us, you know, eat this, don't eat that. But what they don't address is all of that comes with such an emotional response. You know, many, many people, many women have very emotional relationships with food. You know, we treat it as love. We treat it as comfort. We treat it as a reward. There's all of this underlying stuff that that isn't being talked about. And diets can actually make us constantly feel like we're never doing good enough, constantly feel like we're failing. And ultimately, they're just not sustainable. Exactly, yeah. I, I actually... When I was in doing my master's a few years ago, my professor said to me, he said, during recessionary times, um, you see an increase in um, confectionery sales because people feel though they deserve a reward or a reward for nearly disappointing days, really. I, I don't know what the term he uses, but he just said there were increase in kind of confectionery sales because when people are down, obviously they go to mm. their treats more often. Um, but I know you highlight in your books... Um, the goddess revolution and hungry for more um that the answer for it is self-love and mm. just going into the deeper meaning whether that's more personal issues you have in your life but self-love it was to me what really is it like I, i'm just saying how how can that stop my cravings or how can it stop my just say mm. my a desire just to to go after the foods I don't want to do like how can I actually pinpoint right self-love is going to cure me from these craving problems and these binges if we could define that and get your perspective what it actually is yeah so ultimately what's happening when we experience those cravings is it's a it's really a a a bigger more uh more a meta problem that we're looking at here and that is that we live in a society in which we don't know how to look inwards for the answers we're constantly looking outwards we're constantly looking for we need something else to buy we need something else to eat we need you know a glass of wine we need a snickers bar we need to buy this new handbag these new shoes we're constantly looking outside of ourselves for the answers right and we have this internal dissatisfaction with ourselves with our lives and whatever this deep hunger is it can't be solved with just fixing things from the outside in it's an inside job and that's why self-love is important self-love is really just about like cultivating a relationship with ourselves that is healthy you know like being able to trust ourselves being able to listen to ourselves being able to really be with ourselves and when you're in that moment of like wanting to binge or wanting to um smoke or wanting to get a glass of wine as a reward or all these kind of very human urges that we find ourselves having you know really what we're trying to do there is escape a feeling we're trying to get out of some kind of discomfort and if we can actually be with ourselves in that discomfort and actually be with all of those feelings that are arising whether that is stress whether that is you know um, loneliness if we can actually be with those feelings we can actually heal ourselves we can actually create a sense of self-love instead of just constantly trying to run from these uncomfortable feelings and we actually grow when we sit in that discomfort for me like when I was constantly acting out with food binging purging 
I couldn't be with myself. Like I didn't know how to sit in that uncomfortable feeling of nothingness because it was just unbearable for me. I had to have something to fix it, you know, and I didn't get into drugs. Food was my drug. But for a lot of people, you know, they they go out and they do a line of coke or they, they have to surround themselves constantly with people or, you know, now obviously everyone's addicted to social media. So the slightest bit of anxiety, you just refresh your phone and you're, you know, getting that hit of dopamine. So the answer is a, is a much, it's, it's a deeper problem that we're facing here. So I'm taking a wild guess here. Just say I'm, I struggle with food and I get a real urge and right, an alternative, I might just say an emotional alternative for me, instead of going and getting chips or Chinese and getting splashing out on a huge dish, would something like going to see your mates or something instead, like that kind of emotional bond, might get your mind off it and just build kind of inner, um, I was the word, like, do you know when you go to see a mate and when you have a good chat or something, that sense of uh, belonging and a sense of safeness, mm. really? Is it something like that, do you think, is a good way to stop cravings? Just that kind of emotional bond with a friend or with a partner or whatever it is? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think how we can really shift our language around this is not trying to stop cravings or get rid of them, but actually, like, ask them what they're here to teach us. So, like, if you're getting a craving for a takeout, like, ask yourself, like, what am I really hungry for? Like, on a deeper level like what what do I think this craving is going to actually give me is it comfort is it love is it connection you know is it a feeling of reward like what am I trying to give myself by going out and getting this takeout and there's nothing wrong with having a takeout right we all can go and have takeouts right absolutely (laughs) okay like there's absolutely no no judgment right but if it's becoming a problem in your life and you want to actually get to the root of it instead of just constantly you know beating yourself up for not having amazing willpower because willpower is a really finite resource for all of us so if we can actually get go deeper and ask ourselves well, what am I actually trying to give to myself in this moment is it that I'm trying to feel love you know is it that I just want connection is it that I want comfort and we can start to find out ways that we can give ourselves that comfort without necessarily using food because oftentimes the people that are struggling with food and it's many 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 people it's like as soon as you've done that then you feel guilty then there's like shame there's guilt there's like why did I do that I didn't really want that I'll have to start again tomorrow and we find ourselves in this battle yeah right so if we can find what we are actually hungry for like what we're really needing and find a deeper sense of meaning a deeper sense of connection love by ourselves or you know with with friends absolutely but ultimately what we're looking for is for us to be able to fill that void by ourselves right i got it and to go back to the books and i suppose we have to go back again to when you actually started your business so let's put on the business caps now and uh when was it 2012 or 13 you started your online business and um if you can go into what your online business is and then we can move into uh, your books yeah sure so um when i started out i was a health coach 
So I wanted to help women um, with their nutrition. And, and then I realized that the answer wasn't all about nutrition. It was actually about our psychology and our relationship with food. So then I trained as an eating psychology coach. Um, but yeah, my business was a coaching practice first and foremost. Mm. Uh, then I developed uh, an online program, online course, uh, which led to a book deal, which led to a second book deal, which led to retreats. And now I run events, retreats, programs, have a membership. I'm writing my third book. Um, and yeah, as I said, like training now in the sex love relationships field as well as like the next step. Yeah. And if you're, I'd like to write a book someday, but I'd love to know what it actually entails. Is it just opening Microsoft Word and just blabbering down stuff? <laughs> chapter one. <laughs> I mean, is there a proper structure? Is there a formula like I have to follow? Like, is there like a, a blueprint? I mean, no one's actually ever given me a blueprint. I think it, it's obviously. Each author is different and it is a very creative process. So everyone has a different process. Um, but for me, I have to create a lot of structure before I start writing the book. Otherwise, it's just chaos. <laughs> uh, mine would be fucking so. chaos. <laughs> yeah. It'd be just, yeah. just get it down as fast as possible and then... Yeah, it starts out as like just notes everywhere. And then it's like, oh, this could be a book. Let me try and find some kind of a structure for this. And I've actually had so many people reach out to me um, asking like how they can write a book. I actually have started mentoring just a couple of people um, on helping them write their book and get it into a structure. Because when it's you, when you're the one writing it, you can be so full of self-doubt and judgment. And is this shit? Is anyone going to read this? And sometimes you need someone else to kind of look at it and go, okay, this this makes sense in this order and this is also what's going to um, sell and this is what people need and this, yeah. that, the other. Or else, did you ever see that movie Limitless where he just takes a magic pill? Or he can, oh, no, <laughs> that would be the dream. Yeah, so that, that would be the dream. No, that, I actually heard Aaron, yeah, Aaron Sorkin, <laughs> who is um, a screenwriter, um, uh, said, and I just think this is brilliant, he said, most writers spend 90% of the time not writing. It's just procrastinating. <laughs> because they're procrastinating. Yeah. They're facing the blocks they're thinking about what they should be writing and then the actual writing bit whew, yeah that's a whole different category. yeah it's like how it must be so hard to motivate yourself when you know wow. but anyway when you get the books launched and then you see some passive income coming in and you see people actually enjoy it making nice reviews like it makes it all worthwhile but even it's amazing really um you wrote a book and you just it's amazing when you put out content and like now you're mentoring people how to write their own books you probably never in a million years thought you'd be doing that kind of consultancy or it was never in the plan what um you have an online business and I presume all like online all online businesses your business is going to be built on systems mm-hmm. virtual assistants um uh, standardized programs that other people can follow um, am I right? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So can we tell us about, a bit about the structure? Are we allowed to talk about the structure? What way you do your business? Yeah. Do you have like any physical employees or or do you just outsource a lot of it? Yeah, so I have a team of five, including myself. Um, we don't have anyone full-time. Everyone is also the CEO of their own businesses. Um, so I would, I am their client. Um but we work together as a team in Slack. Um, I run an annual retreat for them every year in Bali as well for them to bond. And yeah, just we're a good little team. And like a lot of the people that work on my team were also 
clients of mine in the first place. So read my book or um, joined my program, came on a retreat and then, you know, had a great transformation, had a great story, had great results from whatever the program was they did. And we began to work together. Lovely. Skills were needed and yeah. What's your favourite? Um, I, I presume we've read books about this kind of. Have you ever read Tim Ferriss' Four Hour Work Week? Uh, yeah. Emit revisited. Um, yeah, like the Four Hour Work Week is probably one of my favourite books of all time, and I think people can look at it from the wrong angle. It's not so much about a book to make money. It's about it's a book about time. Mm. And Tim Ferriss really highlights that. Like for you, you're running your own business. The the most valuable things you can be doing is working on strategy, innovation, idea generation for new productions. And like, it's not a good use of your time for admin and to, to do admin. And that's no disrespect to any of your assistants or anyone else's assistants, but when you're running your own business, you have to look at the strategy and innovation side of it. But the book as well, like it just really highlights how valuable time is. And again, Malcolm Gladwell, if you know Malcolm Gladwell, what a fantastic author. He was on the Joe Rogan podcast and he's angle at time was so interesting he was like do you know if Taylor Swift for example was surrounded by bodyguards and going into a production studio or wherever she's going um, the job of the bodyguard isn't exactly to protect her it's actually to inject time into a situation mm, yes so yeah it's like people obviously they dare protect her but the injection of a few seconds allows her to get away and that small little bit of time that's what they're actually there for it's a very interesting angle of coming at it yeah um but it can be applied to business too that your time is so fucking valuable that you don't realize it you know and you yeah. probably know you're probably way more qualified than me to talk about time so um, well you know I actually see it more as energy management rather than time so like I think absolutely time is a very valuable asset but like our energy is as well so like if I'm to spend all of my time um, in hustle mode and you know telling like micromanaging people that's also not very good for my energy like it's actually best for me especially because I am also the face of my brand and I have to show up every day um, as the as the front face obviously um, it's really important that I take care of my energy so I can't spend all day telling people what to do and asking things asking if things have been done because it actually isn't very good for my energy it makes me stressed (laughs) you know so even though I outsource a lot which is really good and frees up a lot of time for me it's actually always really important for me the time that I do spend working on my business I need to spend just as much time working on myself you know working on my personal growth not just the growth of the business you know and I think I've fallen into the trap in the past of just putting loads of energy and time and money and resources into marketing and not actually putting enough time into my own well-being and my own health and my own spiritual growth which ultimately grows the business from the inside out you know Um, and so I think we can get swept up a bit in like the latest funnel and the latest gimmick and the latest app and plugin and all this kind of stuff and actually where I find my time is really well spent as a CEO is actually reading books going to seminars watching things on YouTube listening like expanding my mind um, and then that spreads out into my business if one falls under the innovation category you're out you're out in the field yeah checking what's out there yeah exactly and are you happy with the structure now or like how big can I suppose 
a one woman brand get like you know I suppose like if you look at one, one man band Tony Robbins probably has a huge team of 50 or 100 people working with mm. I don't know what way it works but are you going for for mass production or do you want to keep it low key um, that's a good question I think my my stance on this has probably changed in the last year I think um, it's probably expected of everyone to just want to grow as big as possible and I think last year I made a lot of hires at once and kind of tried I almost like almost like went tried to go wide and big instead of going deep and so what I've done now is simplified a lot simplified a lot of the systems Mm. made sure that each member of my team is really um, responsible for their own department and isn't needing constant guidance so everyone's a lot more um, able to manage what what their role is um, and you have to moment, clearly define their role. That's the thing. That's the hard part, isn't it? You have, so to, cl- you have to clearly define what they do, or else there's yes, a huge mix-up. Exactly. Yeah. And I think I've had to learn all that as I've gone along. Right, you're you are only doing this. Like, if you need this, this is who you come to. Like, making sure all of that is is really set. Yeah. Um, so at the moment, we're in a really good flow. Um, which means, which is great. Which means that now we can focus on, um, yeah growth and automation um but because i've because i've been changing direction i'm also now like um focused on changing the content that i'm writing right i'm writing a book like a a completely different topic um and i'm going to be coaching new clients the retreats i'm running are different so it's still we're in a bit of a transition on in terms of content and in terms of like what we are about what we represent uh, but sure in the back end of things the systems are all running really well at the moment we're just now focused on um yeah getting more people in sounds like growth. we're expanding mill we i suppose we are but i'm just i'm not racing to expand yeah. is what i'm saying like mm. i think there's no point in racing to expand if your systems are built on a house of cards you've oh, really sure. got to have everything you know working really well in the back yeah, end slow growth yeah exactly when you're ready to, to keep moving forward and going to your treats your retreats again i know you're just off one from belly i was looking at your retreats and it's like uh, loads of skinny dip and i was like jesus i'm gonna sign up for mel's retreats <laughs> <laughs> lots of naked women yeah we have we have a lot of nudity we're a lot of liberation a lot of freedom and a lot of women just feeling really at home in their own skin it's a really beautiful experience i love facilitating it yeah so like what day one check-in yeah what, yeah what? day one naked no joking. <laughs> <laughs> no so we have uh, yoga and meditation in the mornings we have breakfast i run workshops that are about three hours uh per day these workshops could be on self-love eating psychology body image um the new ones that i'm going to be running are going to be more about sensuality and feminine energy mm. um and then afternoon time we have well we have lunch we have coconuts and then afternoon is like chilling by the pool we have breath work that we have um facilitators come in to do uh we might do some kind of ceremony we might have like a workshop on crystals or cacao um 
yeah, like spirit, spiritual practices in the evening. And then this can lead into big dance parties, pool parties. And I don't know what it is about my retreats. People just booze? want to get naked. Yeah. No, there's no booze. <laughs> I <suppose laughs> but there are defeat lots a, of boobs. Yeah, I suppose it would defeat the whole purpose if you're yeah. boozing. You know? No, it's really healthy. And it's, you know, really like helping people to unlock what's keeping them stuck. Yeah. In different areas of their lives. It must take a long time to design the whole retreat. You know, I designed the retreat. So the retreat that I have been running, uh, which has been our self-love retreat, which has really been for women to help them heal their relationship with food and their bodies and learn to love themselves. That retreat I designed four years ago. And... Because I designed it four years ago, we got the villa sorted, we got the catering sorted, I got all the workshops written and designed. Every time I've run it since then, which I've done like 30 retreats, um, it just means that I can evolve it. Mm. So it doesn't mean that I have to redesign it every single time. It's just, okay, what worked well last time? What do I think this group need more of a focus on? What do they need less of a focus on? What new exercises can I add in? And then it just evolves rather than me needing to start completely from scratch each time. Do you get a lot of repeat business? Sorry. Um, So with the retreats, no, because it's kind of like you come, you do a program and then that's it. You know, you are hopefully have had a big transformation and you go back to your normal lives. Mm. But then this next retreat that I'm, that I'm starting to put on, which is called the wild feminine retreat. It's about women really connecting with their sensuality again, their sexuality, their pleasure. Um, you know, a lot of, um, embodiment work deeper into the spiritual realms. Um, these women that are coming on this retreat, a lot of them will have already been to the self-love retreat and this is like the next step for them yeah yeah and you've transitioned right health eating psychologist coach um and now more into the sex therapy the word no mm-hmm. or, or is that the correct terminology yeah or sex the- love and relationships so yeah I'm tr- training in tantra um and i'd love to work with couples one day as well yeah, I'm yeah. sure it's a, a very, I'm not trying to be funny, I'm sure it's a very in-demand service. Yeah. A lot of people out there have very poor sex lives, I'm presuming, and a lot of people yeah. close to us. Um, so you're d- deep diving into that. Yeah, well, it's all really connected, you know, like the, I've worked with so many women over the years on food issues and body image issues, and it really, it, it's so connected to how we feel about ourselves sexually and how much we allow ourselves pleasure. You know, there's a lot of people that have a lot of sexual trauma and shame. Um, you know, a lot of women really struggle to receive. They think that their whole experience in the bedroom is about performance or about you know, giving to their partner and they're not allowed their own pleasure. They are terrified of masturbation. It's just so taboo and so mm. there's so much shame there. And I really think that having a healthy sexuality is a really important part of our health and well-being. And I think it's just as important as meditating or going to the gym or eating well. I think it's it's it should be a part of that same conversation. Do you think if you have a problem with with food, um, a bit of a disorder, that you probably have a problem in your sex life? I think it's highly likely, yeah. The two are very um, very much correlated. Um, there's a there's a lot of... I mean, it's, you know, how we do one thing is often how we do everything because our relationship with food is really just about our relationship with ourselves. There's deeper issues going on underneath the surface, which then will 
probably ripple out into other areas of our life, whether that is sex, whether that is relationships, whether that is money, business, friendships. Yeah, it's... I suppose there's many parts of what we do, just say sport, sex, food. Um, And people often say, because I love sports and play it all my life, and a lot of people say the way a person handles themselves on playing fields is a lot about their character. Mm. But it's the same can be said, just say someone's eating habit, it can say something about your your character. Um, But on that side of it you know if you look at just say players on the field who are wholehearted players there's a good chance like people like that are going to be good businessmen or women do you know because they put their heart and soul into it you know if someone is a kind of a a dosser takes it easy like they're probably going to be dosser in other areas of life finances are probably poor relationship might be might mm. be so I'm not talking to the general public but I'm just saying there might be a chance and you know better than me it just everything yeah. seems connected it is it really is and just like you know junk food just like going out and having junk food you know a lot of people are having junk sex you know sex without meaning sex without any real nourishment or satisfaction <laughs> yeah and then ultimately it leaves us feeling the same way it leaves us feeling guilty shit ashamed like why did I do that that didn't feel good I didn't really didn't really get any meaning there wasn't really a connection there you know but when we actually you know when we're actually uh, holding out for meaningful sexual experiences with real connection, you know, that that's the equivalent of like, you know, going and taking the time and spending like a really, uh, you know, nice amount of time cooking yourself a really delicious meal. It's like you feel so much more satisfied and fulfilled afterwards. You feel that you've actually given yourself something, something good, something good for your body and your soul. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And um, just to go back to your book smell, um, can we I was doing obviously the research inside what's the main differentiator between the goddess revolution and hungry for more yeah so the goddess revolution is really aimed at yo-yo dieters so it's aimed at anyone that has been a yo-yo dieter their whole life or had um, an eating disorder and it's basically breaking down all the reasons why diets don't work and how we can actually heal our relationship with food instead um, so it's a heavy focus on diets heavy focus on um, binge eating and healing our relationship with food in our bodies um, and then hungry for more dives a little deeper so hungry for more is kind of how the title would suggest it's about figuring out what we're hungry f- what we're actually hungry for on a deeper level like on an emotional level on a spiritual level so the idea is you read the goddess revolution first and then hungry for more takes you a little deeper into your subconscious and helps you hopefully understand what your cravings are really pointing to so hungry for more is a book less really about food and more about life yeah we won't have long to go now but there's one area you could say this is absolute bollocks or you might find it interesting do you know a girl called Michaela Peterson yes Jordan Peterson Jordan Peterson's daughter yeah the meat diet yeah the carnivore diet she has um, because like she had a traumatic upbringing and her immune system was just terrible and any time she had something to eat like her skin would flare or her depression would come back and then she just transformed into this lion diet is her business uh, just red meat and eggs mm-hmm. and like I've heard people say whether it's just people supporting her and her business that is phenomenal for depression and stuff like that but what do you think of the whole diet like it seems a bit untrue too good to be true yeah I mean I think definitely you know specific 
very um, very specific diets like that can have great results for specific people. It's definitely not going to work for everyone. Everyone's body type is very different. And I imagine if that diet was tried by the masses, it wouldn't work for everyone. You know, I think a lot of research is now showing that, you know, we really need a healthy diet of lots of plants, lots of natural foods, you know, whole foods, foods grown in the ground or on trees. You know, that's kind of the that's like really well um studied and documented now in terms of like these really extreme diets that are working for some people i think you know great i don't know if it's still going to be working for her in five years you know i think any extreme diets like that you've got to really ask yourself like is this how i want to live for the rest of my life like is this sustainable for my entire life and also is this something that i would want to pass down to the next generation like i always think like if i had kids would i would I want them to eat how I eat? You know, would I, would I, or would I say, no, that's not healthy. This is what you're going to do instead. You know, so if you are on an extreme diet, um, you know, are you proud to talk about it? Are you proud to pass that down to the younger generation? Or do you think that's irresponsible? Yeah, I know, like, there's no way it'd be sustainable for the masses. Like, there's just no way, like, your social skills would just go plummet. You know, nobody would want to go out with you, you know. And it's just, it's a lot of animals getting killed. Like, it's it's just, you know, I'm not a vegan, I'm not a vegetarian, but, like, the effect that that, if everyone was doing that diet, the effect that that would have on the planet, like, Uh, not good. like I might try it just as a human guinea pig project I, I think there's no there's no problem or I think I advise anyone to mess around like a small bit and not, not look at it right this is my life change I'm going on a carnivore diet and I'm just eating meat but like there's no harm in being a guinea pig every so often and just trying new things to just see what they're actually like just for your own peace of mind maybe you should probably do tests before you start doing that kind of diet like because you well, you know, I think you're right. Like, it's it's good for people to try things out and see what works and what doesn't. But ultimately, we need to learn from our own bodies. Like, mm. our bodies are our greatest teacher. They're our greatest ally. And our bodies have so much wisdom. And we need to stop getting advice off the internet. And we need to start actually listening to what our bodies tell us that they like and what they don't like. You know, we need to listen to how is our energy throughout the day? You know, eating the way that we're currently eating. What is our energy like? Are we crashing and burning? Are we always feeling? tired is our skin breaking out are we struggling to uh, digest our food are we struggling to go to the toilet like you know are we struggling to wake up in the mornings like do we have are we irritable what's our energy like throughout the day like all of these are signs that our body's trying to communicate with us Mm -hmm. and when we start changing our food we start eating better we start taking better care of ourselves our body responds and if we can actually tune in and listen to what we're getting we can we can be our own gurus you know we don't need to find a diet on the internet we can we can find our own way exactly I like to fast you know I, I just mm. I usually eat between you know, the what's it called the 16 8 where like I eat between 8.30 and 4.30 in the day I was always an early eater anyway I mm-hmm. never eat late um, and I just put a bit more discipline but it suits me you know it doesn't bother me and uh, I wake up in the morning sometimes feeling lighter on my feet you know yeah. and you've got to find what works for you exactly you know? there's no one recipe fits all you know um, definitely I mean the biggest the biggest thing with diets is you know a lot a, a lot of people face 
you know, doing the, doing the diet and then finding themselves binging, you know, doing this diet, being really good on, on track. Trying to fit uh, into a dress or a suit for a wedding or something. Well, like you know, something yeah. like that, or, or just like trying to lose a few pounds. And the, as they, as soon as they've gone off track, like as soon as they've eaten a biscuit or a bag of crisps or something like that, they go, all oh, right, well, that's it. The end may as well have 20 more may unhealthy well choices. Monday. Start on Monday. And yeah. that's where it's really damaging because then you find yourself in this on-off diet binge yo-yo diet, right? So if you find a way that works for you, if fasting works for you, great. As long as there's not the repercussions of you finding yourself having crazy, enormous cheat meals to, 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 counteract, to, it, to yeah. counteract it, you know? Yeah, I, I find that, that I'm kind of on top of it, but like... Well, the next day I find when you have just your cheat day, whatever, tonight now, I don't know, today I just felt like eating a bit of shit food. So I'm usually like, I usually kind of leave it till Friday or Saturday and I would have a fairly strong diet. But today I just felt like, you know what, I actually feel like getting a bit of junk food today. And I always before, it's like, think, right, I'll wait out till Friday or Saturday. But it's actually not sustainable. Like if you feel like having a Chinese on a Tuesday night, I've, I think you should just have it. Mm-hmm. And obviously get back to work then in the rest of the week and whatever you do. Yeah. Well, if you, if you like hold off for it and you say, right, I'm going to have that on you know Sunday let's say you've spent all week salivating over it glorifying it looking forward to it and you're kind of training yourself to look forward to eating shit you Mm. know and really you want to train yourself to look forward to eating healthy otherwise you're just gonna keep loving eating shit food and you're gonna keep seeing healthy food as this chore and this punishment and really like what we need to do is like allow ourselves to actually enjoy healthy food and nutritious food and actually not look forward to having junk food exactly exactly what I find the next day after the your cheetah is whatever that sugar that's craving that's still in your system it's just you know after a, just say you have a Chinese and you have some chocolate or whatever and coke um, coca-cola that is um, <laughs> um, the next day just your body urges that sugar, sugar a small bit more do you, do you ever have that problem like just the next morning or something yeah I wouldn't mind something sweet again because it's still in my system from yeah. last night you know yeah I mean it is addictive you know mm. these companies know what they're doing you know mm. that's why they're so big and so successful these they are containing definitely addictive chemicals addictive qualities our bodies get hooked and we just want more and more Mm. but you know the great thing is about eating healthy is your body also gets hooked on feeling good you know the more energy your body has the more your body want you want to maintain that you know so most people don't realize how great they can feel when they're eating really well and when they're taking care of themselves and exercising it's ridiculous like my mother lost seven stone the last two years it's like her and her her life has just completely changed we're actually so proud of her now at at home like and all of us are like because she's really struggling with her knees and stuff like that and she's retiring next year and like she's retiring now with like with unbelievable energy rather than the other way around you know that's amazing yeah so like it's uh, never too late oh no definitely she's 61 or 60 this year so like Mm -hmm. it's uh no matter how old you are no matter how banged up your uh metabolism is you can always uh you can always make a change so well i think we're at the the end now um unfortunately you're heading away to costa rica to uh you're leaving us in the uk but um i hope you're all excited for that and uh yeah anything else um any other plans before you head away any other things we can look forward to yeah, so I'm in the middle of planning my um, event at the moment. So I run a weekend event in London called the Self Love Summit. Um, it's a really empowering. It's imagine like um, a seminar 
but fully female and all about self-love and (laughs) very empowering and inspiring we have lots of different speakers come in different panelists come in um we get we have dancing we have singing like it's just a really empowering weekend yeah so um i've been running that this is the third year so i'm in tickets on sale and eventbrite tickets are on sale on eventbrite exactly yeah yeah we can go onto your instagram we link your instagram in here to this the bottom of the show notes and uh yeah mel thanks a lot it's been a very interesting conversation it was great having you on thanks for taking the time and best of luck awesome thanks for having me take care bye now